Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. You can become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. I have a, I have a quick game to play with you, uh, noted soccer expert, Shahan J. Raja. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> so uh, the other day, Lazio, a club in Italy, okay. signed a youth player. Okay. Um, now, what would be as a as as a history historical you know uh, uh, analyst a historian basically on your sure, on your sure. part? What would be the funniest name that Lazio could have potentially signed? See, Club in Italy. Okay. Yeah. And is a historical reference. See, I, I just feel like I feel like. When I hear that, I mean, there's a guy named Kevin Lasagna. I just, I don't know how to go funnier than that. That's, how about this? Headline, Lazio's, Lazio signed youth player Romano Mussolini. Oh, no. <laughs> <bolster> their... <laughs> so you're, you're probably wondering. That's not, that's not that Mussolini. No, no, it is. <laughs> that oh, is the what? great, that is the great grandson of oh, Benito God. Mussolini. <laughs> is now an 18-year-old right back for Lazio, which, by the way, of course, it plays on the right. But, you know. <laughs> uh, so I, I just have to ask, too, okay? I, like yeah. you said, I'm not yeah. in the soccer world. Yeah. Um, I obviously, look, we can, we can be realistic about these things. Italy obviously has a reputation for not being the most friendly of leagues to minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, have I heard that Lazio especially yes. is like... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's that's uh that's certainly a thing that happens. I just love how they've gone through. He's just gone through his life, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm sticking with this. This is this is my life." It's it's the uh it's the uh the the office space joke. Michael Bolton is like, "Why should I change my <laughs> name? He's the he one who sucks." <laughs> uh, look, obviously, this came into the news. Uh, something similar to this, and the whole Michael Bolton joke came into the news because Providence has a guard uh, uh, named yes. David Duke. <laughs> Uh, yes. Look, I mean, I I respect it. I respect the uh, the he's the one who sucks. I will say, I will say, um, it is especially unfortunate with with David Duke Jr. because uh, because he was named well after David Duke was already a thing, but right, he was named after his dad, who I believe that they were like Nigerian immigrants or something. So like it was just okay. totally, totally, <laughs> yeah. It's I uh, sure sure <laughs> I respect it. Okay, you know what I I gotta say. Not everybody in this world has the benefit that I do of being able to Google my name and knowing exactly what's gonna come up. I I don't have to fight with anybody. But uh, all respect to uh. Whew. Actually, I don't know if I wanna I don't know if I wanna put those words together. Uh, the all respect and then follow it up with David Duke because I do not need that. <laughs> right. I do you not need those problems. <laughs> <laughs> yes, under no circumstances do I need to hand it to him. So anyway, uh well, I mean, 
look, uh, Lazio's out there making signings. I, I, they're just following uh, college football's lead, right? Is that a transition? Is that a segue? <laughs> That'll count. <laughs> that, that counts. Um, so yesterday was National Signing Day. Uh, apologies that we're getting the podcast out a little bit later, but as you can imagine, a lot going on on that day for me. Lots of press conferences, all that sort of stuff. So we decided to push it back a day. Um, yeah, what was kind of uh, obviously. A lot of schools had already wrapped up their recruiting classes by December. So this mm-hmm. signing day is not the same thing as the giant spectacle that it used to be. But, um, you know, I, I guess not just yesterday, but across the 2021 signing class. I, I mean, what were sort of your, your first thoughts about it? Um, when's Texas State going to start theirs? <laughs> um, that's obvious. We'll get to that in a bit. But um, <clears throat> after the dust was settled. I kind of it, looking at in particular Texas's class. I think I mean the writing was on the wall as to why they needed to move on. Right, um, right. You know I'm not gonna you know this Sarkeesian's class is not really Sarkeesian's class. We'll really judge him on 2021, um, as far as or 2022 I should say for that uh, for that for his first real class. Um, but you look at this class and you look at everybody in this state and the top elite prospects in the state and the fir- the thing that stood out to me back in when we were making the magazine like in march and march april i was like oh this is a great class for offensive linemen yeah yeah like like uh, you know talking to greg powers like you know arguably the best in like 10 years like easily you have obviously the brocker myers but you have bryce foster ruben father you have these big elite like savion bird like we have these uh, big elite prospects here like okay boom here's all these incredible guys that you know you sh- uh, all these texas schools a&m texas baylor should all be in on definitely texas gets none of them none of them <laughs> they get zero now Granted, right? It's no disrespect to Hayden Connor, who they did get, who was a pretty promising prospect. But yeah, great player. You, it, it, to me, it it shows the gap in where schools like Alabama are, schools like even Oklahoma is, even in state A and M is. A and M gets Bryce Foster and Ruben Fothery. Boom! They have two bookend elite prospects from this amazing class. Obviously, Alabama walks in here and gets Tommy Brockermeyer. Ohio State comes in here and gets Donovan Jacks, right? Or excuse me, that's a, a, a running. Uh, uh, no, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, Donovan that's right. That's right. That's right. So Donovan Jacks, right? Ohio State comes in and gets Donovan Jacks. So it's like, wh- where are? It's a microcosm of where Texas has gone wrong, and basically post Mac Brown, right? Not even Tom Herman, but it shows that they weren't on the right track because you can project out your offensive line and say, okay, if you're not getting offensive line, right, you're as we saw this past year, you're not getting the best out of Sam Ellinger when you're not blocking for him. You're not getting the best out of your running game because they're not blocking for him. Um, they did well on the defensive line, which is, you know, it's a promising sign, but it starts from up front. And that's why Bama has been great for 10 plus years. That's why uh, that's one of the things that Oregon's done really well to jump back into national relevance under Mario Cristobal is getting elite offensive linemen. It's the quickest, surest way to build yourself back up. It's what Georgia did when they hired Kirby Smart. He said, look, we're just going to upgrade this offensive line and everything will fall in place. And Texas hasn't done that. A&M is doing that. And that's why you're seeing guys like Kenyon Green come in and just, you know, turn that unit, uh, basically set that unit up for the future. Um, they're going to do that again with Foster and Fathery, I mentioned. That's like, 
to me, that, that was the biggest thing was like, how do you miss out on the best offensive lineman class, arguably in a generation? Right. And the other thing that I'll mention just in general is Texas in our rankings only has two players in the top 35 from the state. Right. Like that's, that's unbelievable. That's, that's, that's crazy stuff. Right. And, and if you look at the two, four, seven rankings, right. Like they, they rank uh, in-state kids a little differently than us. They only have one in the top 25. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, you're talking about competing with Cal who had one, you're talking about competing with Kansas who got one, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, this is just the sort of thing that a program like Texas should not be. And I, and I want to be clear, right. This wasn't a situation where they had this amazing class and then they lost their coach and everybody decommitted that right. did not happen. The hype wasn't there to start with. Right. And, um, and look, I, I think that you look at early in Tom Herman's tenure, it's kind of easy to to forget that their first two full classes under Herman were insane, right? Like they were both ranked number three in the country by 247. And then you look at what they did with them, right? Like the fact that we're here all these years later and they had these top three classes back to back and got nothing out of them, right? Like the, the way that they won you know, or went to a big 12 title game in 2018 wasn't even with these classes. Let's put it, I'm going to put it this way in the top 40, they had one more commit, excuse me, two more commits in this two, four sevens list in the top 40, they had two more commits than Jackson state. (laughs) And obviously (laughs) that is a special case with Deion Sanders getting his son, but that's still Jackson state and you're tech, you're the university of Texas. Right. So again, it shows that where the projection of the program was, it was not looking promising. Right. And the other thing that I'll say is that, you know, Texas A&M has actually kind of looked out of the state a little more than usual. Like this year, mm-hmm. they actually kind mm-hmm. of came back in a little more. Right, right. Right. But, but, you know, last year, like they were like, we got the best kid from Illinois. We got the best kid from, you know, all the, all these other States. Right. But mm-hmm. like this year, <laughs> AM in that top 35 range that I mentioned in our rankings, they had 12 kids, 12, you know, and it's just, you are the university of Texas. Like, I, I don't know any better way to say it. You should not be losing these kids. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, we can, we can probably <clears throat> kind of transition this to other schools as well. Yeah, Cause yeah. one of the other things that I really stood out to me was that, you know, AM capitalized on a big year for them. Obviously, right, right. Right. They were in the national title picture the playoff picture even though they weren't you know we can talk about how realistic that was but they were in the discussion right sure um and they capitalized that with a really good recruiting class and a lot of good momentum right bryce foster was one of those late guys that committed lj johnson was one of those late guys that committed and it was like oh, okay like that it shows that hype manifesting itself in tangible things and, and tangible benefits looking when texas won the sugar bowl did you see that momentum kind of swing into something Cause I don't remember. I remember they were good. The classes were good, but like, and the reason why I wanted, the reason why I said they can transition this to other teams is North Texas was similar in a way right. to where now they're recruiting pretty fine. Like if you compare them to the rest of the conference USA, I think they were fine, but when they were actually good, I don't think that they capitalized on that momentum. And I think that's what's hurt them the past couple of seasons is when they won nine games, when they won eight games in Seth Luttrell's first couple of seasons, I didn't see the recruiting momentum really come into swing. And so when those guys left that got them there, now they're stuck with guys now. I'd say the past couple of classes have been pretty good, actually. But, you know, they're still freshmen, sophomores. So maybe next year, the year after we see a rebound. But 
it's weird to me how AM was able to capitalize on their good national exposure and teams like you know, UT, obviously, when they won the Sugar Bowl or North Texas when they had their um, uh, their success. UTSA is doing the same thing, right? Well, and capitalizing. Actually, let me jump in here. I, I was yeah. I was kind of curious, actually, looking at this, right? Because you mentioned a mm-hmm. immediately played it forward, right? And, and A&M yeah. had, a, had a top 10, I believe, class last year, right? So they were, you know, they were, they were recruiting at a high level, but they definitely, this class, despite actually the rankings thing, it, it was a little less the case. This class was better than last yeah. year's class, but in a, in a lot of ways, you know, even though the ranking says that they were about the same, this is a much better class to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing that I say with that, right, is, as you mentioned, UTSA converted into the top class uh, yeah. in, in Conference USA, right, after mm-hmm. one year. And keep in and, mind, this <laughs> Jeff trailer didn't have spring. Right, right. <laughs> he didn't have a spring camp. This is all like basically right. like six, seven months of work. <laughs> right. And so I think that that's one of the things that's interesting to me is, I'm curious in this season, especially, and actually I, I even want to broaden this out a little more. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting looking at the rankings in general, yeah. because it looks like players were a little, I, I guess, played a little safer than they usually would potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wonder if, if they're just like, well, we're seeing AM doing this. We know, I mean, I, I think that one of the, the most underrated draws of, of playing at Texas AM right now is knowing that your coach is going to be there through your entire sure. time there. You know, like sure. that's sure. that's going to happen. Um, you know, and I'm curious if uh, you know, and I'm and I'm actually working on a story a little bit about this. Um, but you know, I'm I'm curious for kids who are being uh, recruited right now. You know, is the flash just not as interesting to them? You know, is is sort of this hype, all of this sort of like, um, you know, going and seeing the facilities, going and mm-hmm. getting blown away by these presentations. Is that a little less convincing to them than the substance? You know, than the, hey, you know, I, I mean, they not that they had a, a top one class, but, you know, Rice finished with the fifth best class in Conference USA. Rice has uh-huh. a lot to sell, you know, that that's there's not they're not sort of wowing you with sort of the things when you show up and there's fireworks and all this sort of stuff right they're Mm -hmm. just like we got a better school than you our offer is worth more than other people's uh and we've got a great coaching staff that can put people in the league is that sort of thing worth a little more than it has been maybe in previous years i i don't know because like you said you're seeing this turnaround much quicker than you usually do usually Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm just remembering back when I kind of first got into recruiting back in like, a, in like 13 and 14, right. Which was, uh, you know, I was at Baylor and, and it definitely was a delay. It was definitely, they won the the big 12 and 13 and you really saw that for the 15 class. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of interesting that it happened so quickly. I mean, especially at UTSA to me, because sure, like sure, you mentioned, 100%. like you mentioned, I mean, they, they were coming off of being pretty bad to being mm-hmm. very good. I mean, at least AM kind of had a slow build to, to the season. Right. UTSA was very much a, we turned it around. And, and obviously they also brought in Jeff Trailer to do that. that. That has to be mentioned. But mm-hmm. uh, but I am curious, you know, did you, I guess, uh, from your perspective, kind of see that too, that, um, that maybe teams, play, uh, players played a little bit more safe than usual? I think so. And I think, <clears throat> I think schools in some cases played a little safer as well. Um, you know, something like someone like UTSA who probably didn't want to, you know, obviously they, they went to places like the RGB to get Ellie Marburger and, you know, they went to all reaches of the, of the state, but they did hyper-localize San Antonio, right? Yes. And South. And so like, I, I wonder if 
obviously we always talk about the talent in that area, but I wonder if it was like an extra incentive this year to do that. Right. Where it's like, right. Oh, we don't have the recruiting budget to, you know, maybe waste time going to West Texas. You know, we're just probably, we're just gonna have to seed that to tech and that just, just, you know, just give, not give up on that area, but just basically say, you know, move it down the priority list. And as opposed to saying, you know, what, let's just rope off San Antonio, let's go South and let's work on that area and still get a, pretty damn good class um you know you pluck guys like ronnie garza from robert vela um who's a really good prospect but again it's 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 the valley and so like you know they're working you're they're kind of working in that southern region of texas um and really keeping people home right they're keeping guys with judson home which i mean hell if you have sincere mccormick and rashad wisdom you might as well do that and just build the whole damn plane out of judson players but <laughs> um but but you but you get what i'm saying where it's like i think it was a two-way street where you know a guy like Cameron Scott um, and D'Anthony Lewis at Judson is like, why would I go visit, you know, X, Y, and Z? I can go right. to UTSA. And so, um, and it's also like, they can take the, they can do the unofficial visit on their own too. They don't have to worry about traveling to these other schools. And it's like, right. I'll just take a weekend and go to go to campus, right? By the way, I, I forgot that UTSA signed Ron Tatum, who was yes. a blue chip Oklahoma guy before yes. he went JUCO. So that is just, that is dumb as hell. My God, that's going to yes. be incredible. But I mean, I do think that, um, you know, not, not to go on this too long, but I think that you also did see in general, right? Like these top, top schools, um, you know, who, by the way, I, I think that a lot of their classes are still ongoing. Um, they signed, I mean, Alabama signed the best recruiting class in the history of the of the recruiting era, right? Like right. They, they did. They signed seven five stars out of 27 yeah. kids. You know, so you saw that uh, a lot of these top schools were signing 22, 23, up to obviously 27. Um, and, you know, once you got past that, though, like Oklahoma was the number 11 team. They signed 16 kids. Uh, mm. You know, you get down to Tech signed 21, you know, Penn State signed 16. Like you're talking about a lot of classes that are rated really highly that didn't have a lot of kids. So one, I think that you saw even more um, coalescing at the top of the top recruits. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, because again, they just went with the safe play. If, it, if you're just chilling out here, like, well, what do I do now? You just go to Bama. You don't think twice right. about it. Right. And, um, and on the lower end, and actually I, I, I thought that uh, Gary Patterson at TCU talked a little bit about this yesterday, I think that there was much less opportunity for some of these high school kids than there would be in regular years because a lot of teams are just trying to figure out one who's going to be on their roster at the end of the spring with these transfer rules potentially coming in mm -hmm. and uh, and on top of that you're seeing with a lot of seniors getting that fifth year of eligibility that you aren't seeing the uh, or you're seeing a lot of teams save tons of scholarships for the potential of adding guys that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just not losing to attrition um, as much as you kind of anticipate every year. Um, I guess that's a good way to transition to a certain team. Um, that's kind of banking on that. Texas state. Yeah. Um, didn't sign a single high school player. Um, I think <laughs> I'm trying to find the Alex Kirshner tweet because it was pretty damn spot on in my opinion uh here it is godfrey brought this up on a recent split zone duo <clears throat> if you were recruiting so that you could have an up year and then get another job without worrying about what your current program is left with when you leave this is exactly how you would do that right and i have a hard time arguing with that right <laughs> because it is the most 
hey, let's win now, patch together seven, eight wins, boom, I got the, I don't know, the SMU job. I don't know, it's just whatever, I just named a job. But like, you know, I, I just got another job, cool, I'm out, bye, good luck. Like, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, Jake Spavdal is that cynical or anything. I really do think, you know, talking to him, I really do think he cares about the job, but it's hard to argue that that's not the overall goal is to like, because if it wasn't, you know, why aren't you taking a couple of high school kids? Right. I mean, I mean, the reality is this is what it would look like if he did it, right? right. Like if, if he was trying to sell everything to you know to put everything into next year and then tank everything after that this is what it would look like right Right. um again i'd like you mentioned i don't think that that's what he's trying to do um the other thing i think he really just i think he just really wants to one i think i think what it is before before you let you before you, uh, you can go um i think my actual thought is that he thought this job was ready to win right away right and he's not here for no damn rebuild like (laughs) that that's my thought is that he is somebody who sold the fact that this program was close and has not and they don't i don't say they don't look close they look closer but they're definitely based off last year they're not close and i think he's trying to make them really really close really really quickly so uh, that that's my overall opinion but the problem is when you do that you sacrifice and you know you sacrifice longevity potentially yeah i mean i think that when I think that when he took this job, he never pretended to be a program builder, right? Like, right. I think that he thought that he was going to be able to walk in and be a football coach. But, yeah. you know, when when you have the situation that they kind of have had, uh, which hasn't been the most encouraging, if we're being perfectly honest, <laughs> um, you know, it, it hasn't happened like that. And so here's the one thing that I'll say is that if you're going to do this, right, because we've seen we've seen way too many programs just absolutely tank to hell by doing something like this right like for mm-hmm. like kansas is like kansas because they did this with charlie weiss uh you know same deal with uh with utep utep late mm-hmm. in the sean kugler era did this right mm-hmm. um the thing that i'll say is that this is the year to do it and, and here's why because when you're looking at roster balance right you're trying to have at least comparable levels uh, top to bottom right you're trying to have so that you're not just having one senior class like a like you know like utsa's first senior class right when they right. when they obviously uh started football right like that's inevitable you have to do that but like you know where you're losing 50 kids right that's just mm. not something you ever want to do <laughs> right. um but this is the year to do that because you are going to be able to give the freshmen who you brought in last year, which by the way, didn't bring a ton of freshmen, which is another thing, but, um, but you're, you're able to give those freshmen and the guys who were freshmen the year before that, who might've redshirted, they're going to be third year freshmen, right? Hmm. So you're going to be in a position where you at least keep some of that roster balance through these rules coming into play to where you still have some younger guys because they keep getting more years of eligibility and you're just adding on top of that. I actually think that Texas Tech has done a pretty good job of doing that. The question now is whether, one, you are able to convince enough of those younger kids to stick around for six years, right? Because that's kind of what you have to do. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that that is, I guess, a little more on the concerning side to me is that a lot of the kids who they added have a year left. Right. right. 
that's one thing that I think would be a little bit more on the concerning side. You know, they, they added one or two guys, I think, who maybe were sophomores or juniors. And, and again, that's something that I think that tech has done very well. And obviously, you know, we can talk about the SMUs in the Houston who have kind of built their, their programs off of that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I think that, again, I, I, we've been, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now at this point. I feel like we need to sit down and do it. I, I would love to create a scholarship chart just to kind of get an idea of how they're balanced sure because sure. because i think that that's going to be an interesting question again i i do think like you said one i don't think that that one good year is going to be enough to get jake spavadol another good job right like mm-hmm. I, I just i just don't i don't think that winning you know six games is going to all of a sudden launch him and launch him into the stratosphere i think he's going to need to do it for more than one year mm-hmm. um so you know look if if he thinks that he's going to have a one-way ticket out of here i i don't think that's the case <laughs> right um but, you know, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, you bring back almost the entire defense from last year. You obviously bring back some key guys on offense. I don't know. I mean, again, if, if you're going to do it, this is the year to do it. That, that's kind of what it comes down to to me. I think the the, the thing I'm, I'm really curious about, and we can talk a little bit about the, the FCS and the kind of the, the, the domino effect this year. Yeah, had. yeah. Um, because the one thing I am curious about is, you know, obviously a lot of kids – lost out on potential you know breakout seasons as far as the recruiting trail goes they lost a lot you know they lost a lot of potential game film you know obviously we talked about just kind of recruiting strategies just kind of being shelved or altered a bit and so you saw a lot of talented kids go d2 d3 or fcs right yep yep um I think you can look at commerce's class. Um, commerce's class is really excellent. Uh, of course, SFA killed it again. Um, I mean, there's only one name that you need to say with this, and that's Ed Bobino, right? Like, yes, yes. This I is mean, not... like, legitimately like a, a really stellar defensive tackle who came away with double-digit sacks, again, at defensive tackle um, yeah. at the 5A level and obviously was a Mr. Texas football finalist. And yeah. he goes to SFA and it's like- At interior damn. defensive line. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like- Mr. That's Texas a, football finalist. Yeah, and it's like damn good signing for uh, for SFA, but that's somebody who you pr- potentially in a normal year, you know, I'm not saying he's guaranteed, but it's, a you know, somebody like North Texas maybe take a, takes a flyer on him. Right. Um, but SFA obviously jumped on him and was like, you know what, let's just get this guy. And now they're going to have, you know- n- I don't think it's weird to say that they're going to have a power, potentially a power five level defensive line uh, this year, next year, uh, just based on the size and the caliber potential alone. Um, But the the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because next year, I'm wondering, like, do we see kind of a wild west of transfers next year? Because, you know, if you're Texas state, if you're North Texas, if you're some of these lower schools and they're like, Oh damn, we missed out on, you know, 10 dudes that are playing at Sam Houston and SFA, what, you know, what are are they going to be convinced to transfer after one year, two years and, you know, live, you know, potentially uh, bet on themselves and their potential um, that they missed out on. Um, I don't know, but I, I, when I was looking, I couldn't help but picture that scenario when I was looking at some of the signing classes for the sub FBS uh, program, because man, uh, I'll tell you what, those D2 and FCS programs, they won. They won this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's going to be really interesting, too, because I, I think that heading into the 22 class, you know, hopefully we're all hoping that, you know, we get track times. We're all hoping that we get camps. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of work to do before we get there, but we're hoping that we yep. get it. Um, you know, because because 21, 
we've lost a lot of evaluation period with them, but we lost mm-hmm. the evaluation period with uh, with juniors, right? Yes. And so, yes. so we're going to be in a position now where I think that programs are going to be scrambling uh, ahead of 22 to try to get these verified times to try to, you know, see guys in action. I mean, we, we didn't have a situation where, you know, coaches were going to practice to see kids, for example, right? Like that just mm-hmm. didn't happen. And uh, no, I mean, and I think that like you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And the other thing that I'll point to as well is I think that a lot of these programs, uh, these power five programs have some really interesting uh, preferred walk-ons, you know, so the guys mm-hmm. that I'd point to actually, they all come from, uh, from two schools, you know, Michael Taff, the, uh, the defensive player of the game in, uh, in the title game for Westlake is going to Texas, right. Yes. As a preferred walk-on. Yeah. Cole Kirkpatrick from Argyle. He's heading to Texas Tech. The, the one that, um, you know, this is this is a classic kid to me who also would have gotten in late and gotten some big offers if people had been able to see him. C.J. Rogers going to Baylor, right? Like, yeah, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, look, I think that, um, you know, he only had the one year really as a starter. He, But he just has all those tools, right? He seems like one of those guys who, who maybe if he had a camp circuit, it could have been like a, not not this level, but like a Kyle Trask situation where you're like, oh, wh- wh- where was this kid, you know, right. and, and gets some, you know, I'm not saying that he gets a Baylor offer or anything like that, but like gets real offers, gets real power five offers. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. And I think that Tepper in our, in our Slack said, you know, it's going to be really interesting to look back uh, when we get to the, you know, whatever the 2025 NFL draft mm-hmm. and just seeing one, do we have this giant wave of uh, of small college players who just got looked over in this class, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, who, who just went to, again, went to SFA and people were like, oh, you're, you're good at football here too? <laughs> what? <laughs> right. You mean the dude who was awesome at playing football was good at yeah. playing football? I, one I, of the ones that, one of the ones that stood out to me as well, and this one I, I, I hasn't come out, I'm assuming he's a PWO, is Cash Jones at Brock a running back he was a new mexico state commit for basically the entirety and then he comes out and he commits to georgia like three days ago (laughs) and it's like georgia just came in and just like there was like oh this dude this dude's not getting offers yeah let's just you know i don't know if it's a pwo we'll see i assume it is but um still they took a flyer on the kid and it's like yeah we'll use the scholarship on him in a year or two if he proves that he's good enough like there's like there's so many kids who the PWO list in two or three years, we're just going to be like, Oh, right. Like that guy was a PWO right. or that guy didn't get a scholarship offer. You know, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you mentioned it down to, to even the D2 level, right. Where, which is the lowest level that you're getting scholarships. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I look at, um, and they kind of did this last year too, but like, I look at Permian Basin's class, right. Like yeah. they're this program that basically hadn't existed. And they get mm-hmm. like uh, Mikey Serrano from Midland Lee, right? Yeah. And and they get the Caddo Mills quarterback, right? Like mm-hmm. this isn't normal. Right? <laughs> this is, the, these are not the kind of players who usually don't get this interest. And no, I mean I think for us too, right? Like we are, we make no bones about it. We are big <clears throat> fans of the small college, right? And right. um and you know we love seeing these programs succeed. We want SFA and Sam Houston and all these schools to compete for national titles again because that's so much more fun. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's gonna down the road potentially have some some big payoff so and actually i think that's a good transition um so obviously it's game week i guess 
Sure, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why I said obviously. I, I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows it's game week. Yeah. So we are starting out the small college season. Um, I believe the only conference in Texas playing this week is the American Southwest Conference. But mm-hmm. we start with a, a thrilling matchup between Mary Harden Baylor and uh, going on the road to Bellhaven. Do you know where Bellhaven is? Uh, I do not. <laughs> I believe it's Mississippi, but okay. but I'm gonna look it up. But uh, yeah, Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi. Look at that. Look at that. <clears throat> uh, but I look. This is a weird season, right? I, we also the other thing to mention is that we have a lot of schools that aren't going to be participating. So it's not yes. even like a real showcase, right? Like that's right. That's the one thing that's probably a little unfortunate. Just kind of like eh, if you want, <laughs> right? Because um, in the FCS, we are gonna have like a a. Southland schedule, but it's going to be without Abilene Christian and SFA. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which it's a shame that we don't get to see SFA in the in the spring against FCS competition. Right. Um, although they did, I guess at the end of the day, they did name themselves South Fall Southland Champions. <laughs> sure. I'm sorry. Big I'm UCF sorry. energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. We we love SFA on this program, but that is corny, man. That's <laughs> that is corny as hell. <laughs> uh, but then at the D2 level, you're going to be playing. Um, they're they're not going to sponsor a Lone Star Conference championship because there's only going to be three teams playing. I believe that's Midwestern State, uh, Anum Kingsville, and one other. Um, I don't remember. But uh, but yeah. So we're we're not going to have a a Division two conference championship this year because so many of the teams ended up playing in the fall and then AM commerce just decided to opt out of all of it mm-hmm. uh and then so with d3 we're getting a lot of the teams playing a lot of the big uh big schools are playing i'm curious for you you know because i think that d3 is probably going to be the most interesting of the mm-hmm. group um just because we do have these good teams playing but right. i'm curious how, how do you think that these schools are going to handle this spring season <sighs> Yeah, that's, it's rough because, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but yesterday they they basically D3 nixed their basketball championships. Oh, wow. Um, and so I'm wondering if it's just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering how, how much weight a lot of these, if any cancellation, I mean, there will be cancellations, but whatever cancellations come up, I'm wondering like, you know, is there really that big of a second thought if somebody's just like, yeah, cancel it, who cares? Like as far as like yeah. game, you know, week to week, game to game kind of thing. Yeah. Or it's just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Cancel. Like just out of caution. Cause it's, it's to a lot of these programs, it's not going to be worth the hassle, you know, like right, somebody right. like Mary Harden Baylor, obviously they want to play, right. They'll want to get, they'll, this is what they do. Um, even, you know, Wisconsin Whitewater and all those schools, like they'll be playing to some extent, but like, I mean, you know, Bellhaven come week four, are they going to care? <laughs> See, it's interesting that you mentioned that though, because I am curious, actually the flip side of that, I'm uh-huh. curious if, you know, Mary Harden Baylor made no bones about it. They are focused on the fall. They yes. really just don't care about the spring season in terms of like the actual, you know, winning and losing. I mean, obviously they expect to win every game because you're Mary Harden right. Baylor, but um, you know, they're not going to, go you know break their backs for a you know for a, a spring championship in the american southwest conference right, right. so i am actually kind of curious right and i think that harden simmons would you know i, I mean they, they probably will try harder i'd say than mary harden baylor but same sort mm-hmm. of deal you know what, what are you kind of proving if you're harden simmons? by the way i i the other lsc school was utpv of course which we were just talking about so of course i forgot <laughs> that one but um but uh you know i'm curious right you're looking at the schedule you're looking at who's playing you know 
does a school that hasn't won in a couple of years, are they just super motivated? You know, are they just super, we're going to play every one of our starters. We're going to, because I kind of think that for the Mary Harden Baylors and the Harden Simmons of the world, I'm kind of curious if they kind of treat this like a, like the NFL preseason, right? Where they get their guys in the game, but it's like, we're not going to try and break Jefferson Fritz. Like, why would we do that? You know, like, and, and I'm curious, uh, you know, whether that becomes a factor and, you know, I'd look at, um, you know, two schools that I'd look at that in the state who I think could potentially, you know, not necessarily do anything too crazy, but sort of make things interesting, right, are like Mary Harden Baylor, or not Mary Harden Baylor, excuse me, uh, are Southwestern, right? Mm-hmm. Southwestern is a team that's really trying to kind of figure things out a little bit. And uh, an East Texas Baptist, I think that mm-hmm. that's another team, you know, they, a couple of years ago, they, they shared a conference championship, but it's been a while at this point, and they've kind of steadily been building. But like, I really think that not that they could win the conference title, I think that they're not quite theirs yet. But like, look, if Southwestern kind of figures something out, right, like, I think that's gonna, mm-hmm. I think that's gonna potentially build a lot of confidence for them uh, heading into the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's, that's, that's a fair point. Um, because I think we talked about that with back in the summer when like, you know, when it was like, oh, the Big Ten is going to be possibly playing in the spring. And, you know, we were like speculating a lot. And then we kind of all thought like, that's no way to go into 2021 fall, right? That's no way to like, actually, there's no way to justify playing in the spring at 100% and then trying to say, yeah, we care about 2021 fall. It's right. like, like no you don't you're you know you're gonna run yourselves <laughs> right. ragged like if you try that so yeah i'm uh, i don't know something just tells me that the level is not going to be great right, right right um i have no doubts that the first week or two you know probably will be pretty pretty good pretty fun right players will be happy to be out there again they'll be you know they'll give us give as much as they they can but come week three week you know like four okay and games start getting canceled <laughs> and it's like i would not be surprised if some if you know by week three a program just pulls the plug just like yeah "Yeah, no we're done and and i will say right the the one thing that's going to i think end up being a really good thing is Mm -hmm. that they're only going to play four games each plus a potential conference championship game right so like there's not going to be this long drawn out thing and and obviously you know where things are going wrong and games are getting like it's not going to be a giant thing right right And, and so i do think that you know, hopefully the, the flip side of that is that it can kind of, I guess, uh, you know, keep people's interest a little bit just for the kind of that short while. Cause it's, it is, it's more of a tasting menu, right? It's not more, mm-hmm. it's not really a, a full season. Um, but, you know, I, I am hopeful that, that with that, that, you know, there, there could be some excitement and, and I'd point, you know, to the, uh, uh, you know, moving up to the, uh, to the Southland and to FCS for a minute too, right? Like it's actually going to be really fun. I think to kind of mm-hmm. see these Texas schools that are leaving, you have to play against everybody for one last time before they leave. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be really, really fun, especially because I mean, you know, Corey talked about kind of the, the petty nature surrounding everybody involved. So like, that's going to be really, really interesting to see just, Oh man, just one last goodbye, butt kicking from either side. Like, I don't know. It's going to be that's Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that the other thing is like, look, if you're not typically paying attention to these programs, why not? 
Yeah. Right? You, everybody clamors for spring football. They watched the AAF a couple of years ago and that was garbage. <laughs> right. Like that Awful. was just bad. So like, trust me, if you, if you're clamoring for football and you're willing to watch the AAF get coached by Kevin <laughs> Gilbride, like, trust me, I don't even know if Kevin, I think he was a uh, arena, whatever. If you're willing to watch Kevin Gilbride coach a football team in 2020 or 2019, um, you can give some of these FCS and D2 schools a little, a, a little watch. Like, trust yeah. me, it's a lot, it's a lot more cohesive. It's a lot more, <laughs> um, it's a lot less cynical yeah. <laughs> than yeah. a lot of those games were that we tried to force on ourselves last year. Um, so not even last year, two years ago when AAF and all that stuff was around. But yeah, if you give this a try, if you're craving football and you see one of these games on, give it a try because damn it, they're fun to watch. Something that when they're fun to watch, they're fun to watch. Yeah, uh, and actually, I'll, I'll point to the uh, the first game of the Southland calendar as as one that might be worth paying attention to, and that's Tarleton versus McNeese. Oh so God, uh, yes. so Tarleton, obviously not, not a member of the Southland Conference. It'll be a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that game will also be televised on ESPN Plus. So yeah. 6 p.m. on the 13th, and it'll be their first game as a Division One team. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. And actually, and that next first week, head coach, the first game of new McNeese head coach, Frank Wilson. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, that's true. No, so that's going to be a really fun game. Uh, you know, obviously... Uh, we can we can get see some Ridge Tejada too. That'll be a that'll yeah, be a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, and Frank Wilson the fourth. It'll be an all mm-hmm. Texas backfield. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> but you know, look, I, I think that we'll try to to keep an eye on games that are maybe kind of actually worth trying to watch if you can. You know, because it's right. not going to be all of them, right? Like, sure. Look, I'll be Trust honest. Me, I'm not watching Bellhaven. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, all respect to Mary Harden Baylor. You guys did great. I know you're going to win. It's fine. Right. Like I'm, again, I'm obviously more interested in general in seeing the Texas schools, but we really just yeah. don't need to see anybody play against, you know, Southeastern Louisiana. Like who is that for? That's for nobody. Right. Is Frank Skelfo still the head coach there? Let me see. Uh, South at least I thought that he got let go. He might've gotten let go. I don't know. Or was it? No, he is currently the head coach of Southeastern Louisiana. So he's still there. Man, I just, I cannot. Yeah, they went eight track. and five last year. They oh, went eight and five. So he's doing good, doing good for him, good, man. So. Yeah, see, see, I'm, I'm mixing him up with uh, with Sterling Gilbert, who was obviously at McNeese. Before. Oh, yeah. Before he got fired for Frank Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, and then he ended up, uh, he, I think he ended up, quote unquote, leaving on his own accord uh, for the. Uh, he is currently the offensive coordinator at Syracuse. Syracuse. Right. So right. I did not know that. Look at that. So, you know. Look, see, that's a, that's another thing too that I'll say is legitimately quite fun is going through and being like that guy, that guy's <laughs> right. the coach, uh, you know, because like for example, um, the coach at Lamar before Blaine Morgan just took over, uh, who by the way is a Texas high school football product. Yes, uh, the former head coach was Mike Schultz, who used to be Gary Patterson's offensive coordinator when I mm-hmm. believe they won the Rose Bowl. So yeah. like, you know, yeah. this is just a who's who of who. it should be a it should be a lot of fun i'm i'm actually i don't know man i'm talking myself into this i i really i am too like like you like you mentioned like we will talk about big matchups and we'll keep our tabs on like very interesting teams yeah um the only problem is mary Harden baylor is not interesting until the playoffs usually (laughs) because they (laughs) just win so or maybe that you know they get a close game from harden simmons every year but like that's it like they're not interesting to pay uh, to pay they're not really interesting uh to keep track of until later on so we will be watching other teams right now (laughs) (laughs) here's a here's the thing i have to say okay we currently don't have the schedules on the website but by 
by this weekend, I will get those schedules up on the website so that you can check textfootball.com slash scores and know exactly what's happening every single week. So first one, Johnson, I'm Shahan Jiraja. Thanks as always, everybody, for joining us. Uh, sorry for our break last week. Things just get busy sometimes and uh and you know you gotta gotta do what you gotta do it's a pandemic you know so um, as always it's you can still find a pandemic it, it's it's still a pandemic <laughs> uh anyway you can find all of our work at textfootball.com you can find us on facebook dave campbell's text football you can find us on twitter at dctfcfb become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe we've got a lot of stuff going on over the off season we are not going anywhere thanks to everybody for joining us we'll talk to you guys again next week